I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Harriet Minter and this is the Badass Women's App. As I curled up on my sofa at 9pm last night, I checked Twitter and found that everyone else was doing exactly the same thing. Because despite all our promises to the country, we are all back watching Love Island. But why? When we know it's no good for us, why do we keep doing it? Has lockdown taken the fight out of feminism? Plus, I'll be talking to two amazing young women who have experiences of dealing with health issues at a young age. Whether it's arthritis or bipolar, these women are finding a way to make their bodies work for them, and I found them both incredibly inspiring. And finally, I'll answer one listener's question on what's next. First up, has lockdown killed feminism? Well, look, I'm asking this because as I turned my brain off to watch Love Island last night, someone posted a meme of Marge Simpson ignoring a large pile of dishes with the caption, me to my feminism when Love Island starts. I retweeted it and half my timeline seemed to agree. When it came to certain areas in our lives, we're just over fighting about it. We kind of just want to switch our brains off and enjoy the mindless, sheer entertainment value of it without wondering about what it means for wider society. And I feel like this is echoing in other areas as well. I know that Love Island has had its feminist moments, but let's be frank, they are few and far between. And most of the time, if we were to look at the link between Love Island and feminism, it's a what not to do style of teaching. But yet, I still really enjoy it. I like watching young, attractive people try and hook up with the other young, attractive people. It's exactly what my tired brain needs right now. But then I read this article about lockdown dressing and how we are coming into summer with a certain trend for dressing. And well, I'm beginning to worry. So this article looked at the Instagram trend for dressing mothers and daughters in the same clothing. Now, you might not have noticed this if you are not of an age where all of your friends have babies or if you yourself have babies, um, you might not be being served the Instagram ads, which are filled with mother and daughter in matching dresses. But I certainly am. And the writer of this article is as well. And she referenced it back to the trend from the early 1980s, which if you're a similar age to me, you remember, which was for mothers and daughters in Laura Ashley dresses, matching Laura Ashley dresses. And she said the whole kind of spin from Laura Ashley was about returning to simpler times when it was about going back to the home, about mothers being homemakers, um, that actually what all of us wanted was a kind of safety and security of this classic traditional home life. And she said that what she feels is being echoed now is, again, this return to safety and security. So whenever we go through some big kind of 
global trauma, when that's a war or disease, we tend to want to revert to older, more traditional values. So we tend to want to revert to dressing like our daughters or focusing on the interiors of our houses, anyone with an Instagram account, or thinking about things like our skincare. Again, very much me in the last year. All of us going kind of back against the forward motion of traditional feminism, which kind of eschews those things and looks to the empowerment of women through money and work and rights. That probably should have been first, but you know. And so we're kind of turning away from those things and instead turning towards the stuff that feels safer and calmer. I think there's a particular example of this in the backlash against the concept of the girl boss. And I think it's really interesting that over lockdown, when really very few of us have actually been able to progress in our careers. So even if you've had a good working environment during lockdown, you've been employed, you've had a good employer, you've enjoyed working from home, your progression level probably hasn't been at the same speed that it might have been previously, simply because nobody really knows what's happening. So everyone's kind of holding on to the status quo. And when that happens, then to be kind of bombarded with messages saying, you know, you need to go out and crush the opposition, you need to be hustling, you need to be pushing for what you're worth. It feels a bit counterintuitive. Actually, what we want right now is, you know, the messaging that says it's okay to take a step back, it's okay to put down the workload, it's okay to just focus on yourself. And while that messaging is really important, and I absolutely endorse it and buy into it, it's also interesting to me that perhaps then what it does is it kind of frees us up from the need to be, in quotes, a good feminist. We can actually go back to indulging in some of the stuff that perhaps previously we might have looked down our nose at a little bit. And while I don't think that's a bad thing at all, there are some things that have worried me about it. So this week, the government refused to look at a childcare request brought by Pregnant and Screwed in collaboration with Grazia. They had over 100,000 women sign this request for the government to basically do a thorough deep dive into childcare in the UK and think about how they can make it better. And the government just turned around and said, no, not going to do it. And when we look at that, when we look at the fact that as we all go back to the office, we're going to see more men going back to the office and probably more women deciding to work from home. We're going to see over the next few years, I think, a movement back to probably where we were five, 10 years ago, where we had more men in power than women. We only have to look at our government to see what happens when that happens. And so while I'm all for a bit of cottage core and embracing a summer of love via Love Island, I wonder if perhaps we need to be a little bit more careful than we have been. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. But perhaps we also just need a break from fighting because I don't know about you, but I am very tired. However, if you are also tired, you can take inspiration from my guests this week because they are two women who have just decided that they are not going to take their lives sitting down. They are going to make the absolute best of them. Rosie Van Amerongen and Emily Johnson are both in their early 20s and both have health issues that would be considered incredibly serious in anyone of any age, but particularly when you're young. Rosie has bipolar disorder and Emily suffers from arthritis. I spoke to each of them about their conditions and how they live with them. First up is Rosie. Hi, Rosie. Hi, nice to meet you. Oh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. So tell me a little bit about kind of your mental health history and background and then how you came to find running. (laughs) Okay, so in terms of my, I'll start with my mental health background. 
Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type one when I was 22 years old. Uh, I'm now 25. And that was after a year of quite intense anxiety um, and depression. And I was misdiagnosed with uh, panic attack disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, this was a time where like I was really I found it re really difficult to function. I was definitely on the wrong medication. Um, if you've got bipolar, SSRIs and general antidepressants can be actually really unhelpful. And it turns out that that was probably what was causing me to be so anxious. Oh, no. um, because as someone with bipolar, you have a lot of serotonin. And to give someone a boost of that can really throw them and just make you very anxious and kind of give you the up and down up and down. Um, so then when I was finally diagnosed in 2018 and given the diagnosis of bipolar, um, that was when I kind of started to recover and started to have years of stability in terms of my mental health. Um, you're given very different medications. So I'm on an antipsychotic, which has mood stabilizers in. And yeah, I've just got to really keep on top of my lifestyle much more than the average 25 year old. And running was something which I actually got into before my diagnosis at the age of 17. Um, and so looking back on my teenagers, the disorder can start to manifest itself um, years before you're diagnosed. I mean, I think the average diagnosis for some people comes about 10 years after that your symptoms start because wow. it can be really difficult to spot. Um, so I started having these kind of weeks where I'd feel very elated in about 2016 and I had a few episodes of depression in my in my teenage years and I actually found running in sick form when I was having one of my first depressive episodes and it just really I mean you can't fix those episodes but it really helped me manage it really connected me to girls my age at a new school and I was never good I'm still not good, which is why I kind of laugh that my friends might hear this because my time doing a 5K has never got any better. Um, I, I'm really, and there was that thing in first lockdown where people were doing the 5K yeah. and donating five pounds. And I was so embarrassed to post my time because everyone knows that I love running and mine was head on like 31 minutes, which has always been. And some friends were doing it for the first time and posting kind of 22 minutes to do the same amount of time. And I was like, oh God. Um, but running really helped me then to kind of get through those stages. And then when I kind of got the disorder um, diagnosed, now that I'm aware what a high is and, you know, in those weeks when I was a teenager, I just thought, oh God, I'm a bit different. Like, why am I able to, my distance would get better because I'd have so much energy. And I started doing kind of like half marathons and wow. it would be four in the morning. And I'd tell my mom that I'd done a really long run, but I didn't really tell anyone just how much energy I felt I had. So um, for people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about kind of how bipolar disorder manifests for you? Um, so bipolar disorder is something which it's a mood disorder. So I, I do like to stress and I'm someone who puts a lot of effort into changing the stigma. Um, it's something where you can have a completely stable, manageable life. Um, you, you're generally diagnosed at a point where you're very ill. So for me, I went into a psychotic episode, which is something people with type one can access. And that is where you start to hallucinate because you stop sleeping, you're so happy to be alive and you have all of this energy. And obviously anyone who doesn't sleep for a week, you would hallucinate. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, if this is drug induced and you're someone without bipolar, you'd come down after a few days. Uh, the average psychotic episode for someone with type one, especially the first time around, is about three to six months if if not treated, like if you don't stick to the treatment. 
Um, so I was diagnosed after a three month high and I was hospitalized in Ealing for that time where they start to bring you down. Um, but yeah, as someone who manages it now, I take an antipsychotic, so I can't reach that level of high, but there's, um, a kind of in-between state called hypermania, which is something which can come on from, for me, jet lag is a, a huge trigger. Um, if I don't sleep enough, then it can come on. Um, but from the same kind of thing of not taking care of your sleep you can also go into depression mm. um i mean your journey with highs and lows is very authentic to the person who has it so you know unfortunately some people deal with the lows a lot more throughout their life um looking back at my history with the disorder developing around the age of 14 15 um i'm actually much more prone to the highs and so running for me which is what i spoke about in the um article in stylist which was written by my flatmate, who's a wonderful journalist, Molly Lipson. Um, and I do talk about how running mainly helps me manage those higher weeks, um, because I would like to, again, stress, you know, for people who are depressed with bipolar, it's much more physical than other depressions. So you don't, you don't have energy to exercise at all. And I, I wouldn't expect someone with bipolar who's currently depressed to read my article and worry oh god I'm you know I'm a failure I can't even get out of bed let alone run so it's it's definitely something which helps me manage from a stable uh ground point um as opposed to something which has made me better in the past um yeah really really passionate about it you talked about how actually part of being somebody with bipolar disorder type one is um about kind of managing your lifestyle just a bit more carefully just being a bit more aware can you give us some examples um I think it's just one of those things where you know it's a difficult age to receive the diagnosis because the medication I'm on helps me sleep um and keeps that routine up but things like alcohol I I can't really have more than two glasses of wine without it counteracting my medication and potentially leading to a high or a low um I mean, it would just stop it kind of working. And I think at this age, you know, you just want to fit in a little bit at 22. And it's actually when I was 22 and I was reading people who'd written books and done documentaries around the subject, everyone in their 40s said, oh, if someone tried to take this away from me, I'd be so upset. I kind of I really I'm really glad that I have it. And I thought that was something I'd never reach. And then three years later, I if someone took this away from me, I'd be really upset. (laughs) And you do have to make those sacrifices uh, in terms of being a young adult and having to drink less and exercise daily and, you know, sleep is the priority. Um, but no, I, I, I would say it's it, the change in lifestyle is maybe kind of a, a benefit and a, yeah. the starting point of just a different perspective on what makes you happy. And having days where I'm stable outweighs two hours in the evening where I stop drinking before everyone else. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's been a bit of a journey since that point where I just, the the first time I heard the word, honestly, I was mortified. I thought I'm going to be in hospital my whole life. I thought I'm constantly going to be having mood swings. I'm never going to be able to hold down a job and no, it's, it's very manageable. So I'm hoping that other people hearing this, who might be slightly earlier in their diagnosis would be encouraged that you can manage and you can really have quite a fulfilled, uh, adult life. We see on social media a lot of um, kind of exercise as medicine, right? So exercise as medicine, like if you're feeling a bit depressed, you can go for a run um, or actually if you really want to look after your mental health, you should absolutely do some exercise. 
And I always slightly feel that it's a bit, it slightly trivialises mental, tri- slightly trivialises mental health, right? So it kind of says, oh, well, pretty much everything can be cured by going for a run. How, um, do you, how do you feel about that kind of messaging? That I find that very difficult. And I think that's something which, you know, there is, with something like bipolar, it, it is a very serious um, disorder in that, you know, when you're ill, you're, you're the a- absolute extremes. You're either, you know, so high that you're in hospital because you're a risk to yourself and what you think you can do. And when you're so low, you know, you can go straight to being suicidal out, out of a week where at the start you were quite stable. Um, I do think that stress on exercise is so important, but I I say this to everyone that it is part of management. It's not it's not the cure. And I think leaning on doctors is so important. And, you know, when I was in a low um, after my hospital high, I was reassured all the time, Rosie, if you feel really bad, please ring an ambulance. And that really shocked me because I thought, God, you surely can't ring an ambulance if you're feeling, feeling suicidal. You know, that's so extreme. That's so extreme. But I do think... For me, medication keeps me about 70% well. And sometimes, you know, if I dip into a slight low, I I up that medication. That's always the first meeting I do. Mm. Exercise comes when you're in a good place and it helps you keep stable and it gives you that routine, whether you have bipolar or not. But I I would say that, you know, sometimes you read, um, you know, I'm a subscriber of Women's Health and they did an article on bipolar in January, which I got quite angry about. Um, I won't go into it. What was it that made you angry? Um, it was really, really, it was really sad. It, it was sharing a story of a woman in her thirties who'd struggled her whole life and, you know, couldn't look after her child properly. And the definition of bipolar was this, this much on the side mm. and the scientific explanation was this much. And then this woman's story was 90%. And I think what would be nice moving forward would, would be for the scientific side to be 50% and someone else's account also 50% because there is so much which makes the disorder authentic to the person which should be a huge reassurance that you know if in your childhood you've had years where you feel great that can also be achievable after this diagnosis and you are on your own journey and if someone's gone into loads of lows in their 20s that is probably because they're not taking medication and they're not doing stuff with their lifestyle and actually doctors can reassure you again and again that with the right medication for you and there's so many different options there's 10 different types of antipsychotics you know everyone has their own little kind of combination of you know some people are on antidepressants and a antipsychotic some people are on mood stabilizers like lithium you've just got to find your combination and that is definitely step one um and yeah i think you know all of these celebrities who talk about their they got into yoga and then their depression was gone as someone with bipolar you do have to understand that yours is and and should be medication first um because you're you are you are much more sensitive um to this and it's not something triggered by your life it's something you've um either inherited or developed did you feel nervous about sharing your story in stylist here tonight or have you um, or do you enjoy yeah. it um I think do you know what when I first got the diagnosis I remember being so embarrassed Mm. and I didn't want any of my friends to know when I got out of hospital I wanted to go straight back to work I wanted to keep this really secret and it completely changed my perspective on you know what's important in life and being in a a ward with 30 acutely ill people with different um diagnoses schizophrenia bipolar uh, personality disorders I came out and I had this urge to share just how bad it can be, but also just how 
magical people are who are taking that on on top of everyday life struggles um and yeah I was just gonna come back to whether I was scared to share it about a year after that you know I never would have expected it but I, I set up a mental health organization in that year I started I've started a jewelry brand where we give money to a mental health charity and I, I didn't ever say what I had I just said you know I, I just felt this urge to help in that world and then from the moment I first shared my story, which was last summer um, on a podcast, the amount of people who sent it to someone they know, who knew someone who they, they knew who had bipolar. And from the first message I got where someone said, thank you so much for doing this. I have bipolar and I've never heard someone young speak about it. I felt that relief that that's how I felt a year before and no one young, talks about it too much. It's not like the sexiest label to have. Um, and I think it's just a me one message like that gets rid of any anxiety that someone else might think it's a bit intense or not, you know, is that really, you know, she's the, the bipolar girl. I really couldn't mind less because it's one young person I had seen on social media at the time where I felt so insecure about the word. I would have been so like beaming to read their story and just feel like I could relate to someone young who, you know, has to drink a little bit less and has to say no to drugs so early and that kind of thing. So, no, it's it, it's definitely the responses I've got has have mean that I'm I'm really proud to talk about this. That was Rosie Amarongan talking about living with bipolar disorder. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now, if you think arthritis is something to only worry about when you're old, you need to hear Emily's story. Here she is. Hi, Emily. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for having me. No worries. <laughs> so tell us, how old were you when you were diagnosed with arthritis? And how did you feel when you got this diagnosis? So I was diagnosed age 22 uh, and initially felt extremely helpless um, and uh yeah sort of why me and and why at this age and I thought this only happens to old people how has it happened to me um and it was very yeah very troubling and difficult time and it took about two years for the diagnosis as well so actually getting that diagnosis was a strange sort of 50 50 
part of me was really happy because I was like, finally, I know what this is. Um, and part of me was really upset and just arthritis at 20. Like, no. Um, yeah. What, what were some of the symptoms that you had been experiencing? And how did you end up with an arthritis diagnosis in your 20s? Because I, I would have thought, same as you, I would have thought, no, that's something that only happens to people who are older. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> The thing is about arthritis is there's over 100 different types and it's not always the typical osteoarthritis that you think of, you know, that may happen if you have an injury or, or an elderly grandparent. Arthritis comes in so many different forms and mine is an, an inflammatory autoimmune disease based arthritis. Um, it's seronegative arthritis and it presents in my body as being in between rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis and symptoms include um, my fingers and joints swelling, uh, fatigue, um, almost like flu-like symptoms. So I, I at university, when, it, when I got it, I, I had to take six weeks off. I had to go back home. I was going through about three tissue boxes a day. <laughs> I was sleeping for like 16 hours. It's, it's, um, it's an autoimmune disease effectively, um, and which is quite different to the osteoarthritis type of arthritis that you may think of, although osteoarthritis does have inflammatory um, symptoms as well. Uh, but the main, yeah, inflammatory kind of arthritis is, is autoimmune disease based. So things like autoimmune disease and inflammation, they feel like quite buzzwords at the moment. What do, <laughs> what do they actually mean? So an autoimmune disease effectively is when your immune system fails to recognize things within you that belong to you. Mm -hmm. um, goes into an overdrive and sort people say sort of attacks itself um which is what happened to me i got um food poisoning at my friend's barbecue yeah and i got um so basically what i say in my book sorry is that you are genetically genetically susceptible to having it and then something externally triggers it so it is in my family i was always susceptible to having it but i got the food poisoning uh lasted about two weeks I was really really ill and um my immune system, you know, was not in a good place anyway, because I'd had barely any sleep. I was drinking lots of alcohol. I was, I was out, you know, working yeah. at hotel late night. So I was already just not in a good place. Added the food poisoning and my immune system just went into complete overdrive and started attacking itself. Initially, uh, when my first finger swelled up, I thought, oh, it's probably just the heat because I was in Italy. I thought it's probably just the heat. I'll be fine. Then progressively just got worse and worse as I got to university and was so ill with flu-like symptoms, couldn't get out of bed. I'd wake up and my hands were, were stiff like this and just couldn't move them. My thumbs were so swollen as well. Um, it was absolute agony and, and I didn't know what was happening to me. I also had white spots all over my tongue. In incredible fatigue, just awful. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really unstabilizing, awful time, but nobody could really tell, tell me what was going on. Um, and it was, yeah, it's, it's very, it's not spoken about um, as much as, yeah. So that's why I sort of <laughs> come along on this journey and wrote my book. And um, it's the book that I wish I'd had at that age when I was struggling and no, no idea what to do. Um, when you got diagnosed, what was the medical response? What did they say happens now? So I was put on a range of medications, um, started with something called sulfasalazine, um, which is an NSAID uh, anti-inflammatory drug. So that was the initial um, drug and that didn't work. Um, tried hydroxychloroquine, I've tried all kinds of different medications um, and also tried um, steroid injections as well to sort of help keep the pain at bay. I did a lot of that. 
um, and then eventually I ended up on a drug called methotrexate, mm-hmm. which I'm still on now, but I've managed to reduce that dosage by other things that I'm doing alongside to help me manage my symptoms from day to day. But um, that's a chemotherapy drug. So I had to shield last year oh my gosh. <laughs> with lockdown because it so makes me immunocompromised. Um, so yeah, it's quite heavy going stuff when you're a young person. And I didn't tell anyone, only my close family members knew. I, I didn't speak to friends about it. I was, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was, um, I just kept going um, and just thought it's fine. I'll be fine. And, um, but it, 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 yeah, got to a, a really sort of point where I was really fed up and, and, yeah. and, had, um, and yeah, I started blogging about it over on Arthritis Foodie. <laughs> um, as you have kind of gone through the process, what are some of the things that you have found to help you and what have you learned along the way so for me um it's all about managing that inner inflammation when your body is already inflamed so when you live with a chronic inflammatory condition you're already dealing with that inflammation from day to day so with the with the drugs it's you know that keeps some of it at bay but then if you are drinking loads of alcohol you're having sleepless nights you're really stressed you're not eating well that's an inflammation load that can really offset you and make things worse. Um, so what I've found for me is, is stress is a massive trigger um, when it comes to inflammation and pain. And so I try really hard to manage that. It's hard with, with life and how it is, but managing stress, um, managing my sleep and make sure I get, you know, good night sleep, healthy sleep, hygiene, you know, yeah. really look at night before I go to bed and not going on my phone. <laughs> like the most basic things but it's it's it really does help um and also taking care of um, my body in terms of exercise and food um and nourishing it with the best things possible um are all things that you know many people speak yeah. about um you know your immune system you know 78 70 to 80 of your immune system is in your gut and if you live with an autoimmune disease that is something that is going to impact you of course yeah. it is so um yeah they're the, some of the things that I do and it's really interesting because I was just talking to our last guest who actually um came on because she suffers from bipolar and she wanted to talk about oh. how running had helped her and the importance of very similar things that you're saying which is actually yeah. just having a good overall lifestyle and I asked her I want to put the same question to you which is you know very much on social media we see mm-hmm. this message which is that food is medicine Mm-hmm. And I wonder if somebody who has kind of had to adapt their lifestyle, but also has had to kind of really think about the medicine that you have to take and how you mm-hmm. feel about that message. I think it can be a bit dangerous at times and misleading. Um, you know, yes, food is medicine in terms of it is nourishing. It can really help you um, feel good in your body and good in your mind, good in your well-being. Absolutely, I'm arthritis foodie. I, <laughs> I believe that food can help us. But if you need that medication, that is okay. It's okay. I still, you know, need it. And at times, and there's nothing to be ashamed about it. And it's and you know, people that it's sort of are funny about it. It's like, well, you don't know what it's like to live with this, and I need that. And you know, and 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 so I think as long as it's 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 tallied with you know, lifestyle and medicine and, you know, do what's right for you, then yeah, food, food can be medicine. Absolutely. But so many other things can be, you know, a good night 
sleep can be medicine, exercising can be medicine. Um, you know, I have an Epsom salt bath when I'm in pain and that's my medicine. <laughs> um, so there's different types of medicine and it's, and it's what works for you. Um, and in what works for me might not work for somebody else, but it's just finding that balance in yourself and knowing what works um, in your body and in your health. And how has it impacted you as a young woman in your early 20s? How have you kind of accepted that change to your life? Initially, I refused to accept it. <laughs> and I really struggled. Um, I, when I finished university, fortunately, I could move back home with my mum. So she was there in the first sort of the real thick of it of me getting that medication right. She was there to sort of take care of me. And and so, you know, and then when I started to get better, I had a period where I was in remission. So I, I took advantage of that and I moved to London. <laughs> um, but there is there is a lot of, of, of daily managing it in terms of making sure my pain levels are, are okay. And so in terms of my career, I've always, even before lockdown, had the option to work from home. Yeah. Um, and I push for that because there's some days when I do need that. I need that extra bit of time there, not commuting and, and you know, and being at home in, in my own environment. So that's something I do. Um, and initially, yeah, I wasn't honest with my employees about my condition, but I advocate for it now so much to be honest because it can put more of a mental tell on you to not be honest. Um, and also going out with friends, that's something that, because um, with methotrexate, it's a chemotherapy drug. So I wasn't really allowed to have alcohol <laughs> at all. Um, just like one drink a week was like my maximum. And obviously in your early 20s and you're at uni, everyone's binge drinking, everyone's <laughs> having so, you know, so many late nights. And um, I did find that really hard. And I write about it in the book. I used to secretly pass drinks to my friend and <laughs> used to drink them for me or I'd pour them down the sink because I was so embarrassed of, of admitting what was really going on yeah. um but I don't do that now I'm like no I'm having a mocktail or I'm having <laughs> I'm having some sparkling water or I'm having <laughs> you know, or I feel like that night but that definitely affected me and when my ankles were were in a really bad way um I would still try really hard to go out with my friends and and um there was one night well more than one night actually where we were we would be at a nightclub for a friend's birthday and, and I would just sit down <laughs> I would just sit at a bar stool and my friends would dance around me <laughs> <laughs> which was so sweet but I still try to do as much as I could but probably push myself too far sometimes whereas now I say okay what does my body need and I listen to myself so yes absolutely I want to be sociable but could I just do it one night or could I could I join them for two hours instead of five hours yeah. you know and I try to do it that way yeah I mean I think you handle it amazingly and what an incredible like advocate you are for um, just looking after yourself and being able to take a difficult situation and make it work for you. So well done and congratulations oh, on the book Arthritis Foodie, which is out now uh, by the lovely Emily Johnson. Do go grab a copy. You can see lots of wisdom and brilliance there. Be arthritis naturally. That was Emily Johnson talking about living with arthritis. Both such inspiring women. So finally this week, it's time for your questions. This listener is wondering what to do when it all goes wrong. Here's what she says. This month has been a nightmare. Having been furloughed for most of last year, my employer announced they wouldn't be bringing most of us back. So now I'm unemployed and job hunting again. Add to this, a long-term relationship has come to an end and I just feel really rootless and lost. 
Where do I go from here? I think it's one of those cliches of life to say um, when it rains, it pours, but it does sometimes feel in our lives as though when one thing happens, it's like dominoes, everything starts to fall down around it. And if you are feeling like that right now, as though everything has just collapsed around you, then don't worry, you are not alone. Lots of people are feeling similarly. I have felt like that many, many times in my life. And so I'm going to give you advice from the place of hindsight, the looking back. So this is what I know when I look back at those places where I felt rootless and as though everything had collapsed around me. The first thing is it really helps to have a plan. It helps to think about, okay, where am I going to? What do I want? What's the goal? And how am I going to get there? But it doesn't help to be so attached to that plan that you can't make space for other things to come in or adapt if it doesn't quite work as you want it to. So have a plan, but don't be so attached to it that if things aren't going exactly as planned, you can't get over it. In this point in your life, you probably want to feel that level of security and certainty. And I totally understand that. But also understand that the universe has kind of taken everything away for a reason. I know that sounds hippie, but bear with me. What it's done is it's given you all this space so that you can look at new things and you can see things differently. So having a plan can help you find some of that security and grounding that you probably need right now. But if you've become too attached to it, you're going to miss out on the new things. So have a plan, but don't be too attached to it. The second thing is understanding that generally when everything falls apart, it's so that new things can come back together. I know I'm full of the cliches this week. Sorry. But what I'm saying there essentially is this is the time to shift your focus away from where it's been and onto something different. Years ago, I had a job that wasn't going terribly well. In fact, it was going quite badly. But one of the things that a friend of mine said to me when it was going badly, she said, maybe this is a sign that right now you are not supposed to be focusing on your job. You're supposed to be focusing on something different. And so while our tendency is when things are going wrong is to focus on the thing that's going wrong, I would suggest to you, what else could you shift your attention onto right now? If you were to think of dividing your life up into different areas, you might have work, family, friends, relationship, home, learning, health. See if you can come up with maybe eight to 10 different areas and then just shift your focus onto one of those ones that perhaps you haven't given as much time to recently. And just put some planning around that. It also helps to have some structure. So do please put some structure to your day. Think about the time you get up, maybe structuring some exercise each week, structuring the time you go to bed. Um, When we're feeling rootless, we need to kind of prioritize our own level of self-care. And that means going back to the basics of it. Set yourself a bedtime. Make sure you get up at the same time each day. Make sure you eat properly. Make sure you get some fresh air. All of those simple things that when everything gets taken away from us, we can lose. And finally, ask yourself, if I was looking back at this time in five years, what would I think I'd learned from it? Everything falling apart is going to teach you something, I promise. So what would you like to learn from this? And then maybe focus some of your attention there and see if this can be a period of growth and experimentation rather than just a period of loss. I'm wishing you lots of luck and telling you that I know when you look back at this, you will see it as a really important chapter. That's all for this week's Badass Women's Hour. I will be back next week, but just as your forewarning, we're heading down to our final few episodes. So do please subscribe, keep coming back, keep listening because new things are coming and I don't want you to miss them. If you want to talk to me in the meantime, you can, of course, always find me on social media at Harriet Minter. 
Otherwise, I'll be here again, same time, same place, next week. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more Badass Guests and in-depth chat. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.